You are listening to the Bethel Church Sermon Podcast, a ministry of Bethel Church in Yale, South Dakota. I'm the, I'm the pastor. It's Jody's pastor. The word pastor, and I'll probably say this at the end, the word pastor in the Bible is also referred to as a shepherd. The Bible calls me an under-shepherd. It calls Jesus Christ the true shepherd. job of shepherd is to point you to the true shepherd. Jody, she, she laughed with me, joked with me about a lot of things that happened during church. But one thing she always said is that um, she never discouraged the length of my sermons. So this morning, what I would like to do is take a, a little while here and draw your attention to a passage of Scripture that in my Bible has the heading, Born Again to a Living Hope. I've been thinking a lot about hope lately. In our Sunday morning messages, it seems like The subject of hope has come up over and over again. We are walking through uh, John chapter 11, uh, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And it is a passage that talks about hope. This morning, I would like to draw our attention to Peter. First Peter, his letter And before I read that text that comes from the first chapter, I want to give you some uh, background to his letter a little bit. He's writing his letter to people who are exiles. In other words, these are Jews who are living outside of Palestine. And the reason that they're living outside of their home area is because of persecution. This might be a surprise to some of you, but Christianity wasn't always loved and welcomed. So there are those who believe in Jesus. They believe that he rose from the dead. They believe that he is who he claimed to be. They've placed their faith and trust in him and people persecuted them for it and they were forced to leave. So you have all of these people who are dealing with some pretty difficult circumstances in their life. Being forced to leave everything that you had known, to to leave and go and off and provide for one's family on top of that, the hatred and difficulty that people faced for being Christians and all of other life circumstances. You see why Peter wants to write them about hope? Of course, You all are not in the same situation. You're not displaced like they are. But it's not without its similarities. You too have been thrust into a difficult time by forces that were beyond your control. You find yourself in a situation that you really don't want to be in. It's difficult. It's hard. 
like these original readers, you could use some hope. Let me read the text, and then I'll just comment a little bit about it. I'll read from 1 Peter chapter 1. I'll read verses 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So the testing genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. I want you to think about this text. And specifically, I want you to think about three things in the text. If you know me, there's a lot of things here. And I want to talk about them all, but I want to highlight just three. I've even alliterated them. So Jody might feel extra special because I don't do that very often. I want to speak of one, being grieved by trials. Two, greeted by hope. And three, guaranteed salvation. Now, I've already said that the recipients of this letter were dealing with trials, even suffering in the form of persecution, not to mention a host of other things. In verse 8, Peter uses some very interesting language here, a very interesting word when he is speaking of trials. In In my Bible, it's translated as various trials. The original Greek word there means various in character or multicolored. And the idea is, is that trials in our lives come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. Peter also uses the word grieved there. These people have been grieved by trials that come in all sorts of shapes and all sorts of sizes. How many of you can identify? And do you really ever plan for a trial? We know that it isn't a matter of if we face a trial, but it's just when. And we know this, but yet trials always take us by surprise, don't they? I met Jody right after she married Dave. Dave didn't ask my permission. He just did it, something that I have since forgiven him for. It didn't take me long to realize, though, that Jody was really a breath of fresh air. She 
said things like they are, and she told Dave what Dave needed to hear. I appreciated Jody's candidness. Wasn't long after she'd been coming to church, she said she wanted to join the church. And that's a process. Her and I have conversations. She told me about different experiences in her life. She told me about uh, great hurt. She told me about the experiences in her life that led her to Dave. I remember going from not being quite sure of Jody and wondering what Dave was thinking to being sure that God not only brought this woman to Dave, but he also brought her into our church so that we might love her too. And then I had a very foolish thought. I thought, now Jody's life is going to get a lot better. And in a sense, it was good. But Jody's trials didn't come to an end after she met Dave. They didn't come to an end after she joined our church. I, I know that she was so grateful for Dave, Micaiah, her family, the, the church, as she walked through trial after trial. I remember when I met Patty. He was at a hospital in Sioux Falls years ago. I remember thinking, huh, that's where Jody gets it. <laughs> but my point here in speaking of trials and Jody's hardship isn't so that you would feel sorry for Jody. I don't think Jody would have wanted that. In fact, I've had a lot of conversations with Jody over the years, and I don't think I've ever heard her complain or feel sorry for herself. That just isn't who she was. She was always thinking about others. She was always doing crafty things for them. I can't begin to tell you of all the little trinkets she got our boys every single holiday, if you consider, I mean, St. Patrick's Day a holiday. Jody's life, though, was marked by suffering. Anyone that knew her knows this. She might not have complained. There might have even been joy in the midst of trial, in the midst of suffering. She might have had a smile on her face. But that doesn't mean that one isn't suffering. That there aren't trials. And make no mistake, there was real, tangible joy in Jody's life through it all. It was real. It wasn't a front. At the same time, she was grieved by various trials and she suffered. Of this, there is no debate and there is no question. Now, all of this brings us to something else. Another question. And that is, how is it that Jody experienced this kind of joy in the midst of her great trials? We could say, well, maybe it was Jody's relationships. And it was Dave. Dave did it. Her, her daughter, Micaiah. These relationships, they did bring joy into her life. That is very true. We could say that she loved youngsters. She loved to teach. That brought her great joy. That's true, too. Every, you know that. Her crafty projects. 
Of course those things brought her joy. I, I look at all of that and I just don't think that all of those things together explain what was going on in the heart and the life of Jody? From the time in which Jody was baptized, she joined our church when I met her until this past Sunday. Her faith in Jesus, her love and devotion for Christ grew leaps and bounds. I can't explain to you the ways in which I saw Jody change these last years. Let me say it this way. She was greeted by hope, grieved by trials, but yet greeted by hope. Listen to this in the text. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Notice the connection between one's rejoicing and the trials that they're going through. Isn't that interesting? I mean, that's Jody. You see, being greeted by hope impacts how one greets trials. Notice the, the words in the text again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. I would contend that hope the hope that one has when it comes in this life and the hope that one has in the life to come are directly related to their relationship with Jesus Christ. This is why Peter starts here and praises God for his mercy, his great mercy. He says, great mercy. I know a lot of you don't know me. Some of you know me a little bit. Some of you gotten to know me a little bit. Some of you know me pretty well. Some of you know, hey, he's a pastor. I'm going to write him off before he even walks up to the stage. I hope you don't. Before I was a pastor, I've been a pastor here for 11 years or so. Before I was a pastor, I was a Bible teacher. I did that for a decade. I've been a youth pastor. I've been a student of theology. But... And this is going to shock some of you. I'm far from perfect. In fact, I'm a great sinner. I would admit that God has done a great work in me and a lot of the sins that characterized me in my younger years, which there's a lot of them, I don't struggle with anymore. But there's a lot of them I still do. What I'm trying to say is this. If there is anyone in this room that does not deserve the mercy of God, it is me. Paul said much the same thing in the Bible. He called himself the chief of sinners. And I would say, if we're all honest, we would say, yeah, you're right. We don't deserve the mercy of God either. You see, the Bible is clear. The wages of sin, right? What you earn, like a job, what you earn, wages, what you deserve of sin is eternal death or separation from God. Are you a sinner? 
Have you violated the commands of God? The commands of God are boiled down to 10. They're simple. Have you ever lied? Have you ever stole anything? Desired something that wasn't yours? Lusted after somebody that wasn't your spouse? Treated something in your life that was more worthy of devotion than God himself? We're all guilty. And here's the thing with guilt before an all holy God. You can't take it back. There's no do-over. It's like murder. You can't kill somebody and stand before a judge in a court of law and say, I'm really sorry, I'll try to do better. Can I get a do-over and hand in your do-over card? It doesn't work. We are all held accountable for our actions and one day we're going to have to give an account. The author of Hebrews tells us that it is appointed to die once and then comes judgment. There is a time in which all of your deeds will be laid bare before an all holy and righteous God and you will be held accountable. And in case you're unsure what this means, it means that the destiny for all sinners is hell. That's the result of judgment. Revelation chapter 21 verse 8 says that murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur. That is the second death. I'm not trying to scare anyone. That is my point. My point isn't the hellfire and brimstone. Trying to be honest. The fact is, to understand our text, we need to understand this. Because our text uses the word mercy. In fact, it says God's mercy is great. Mercy, you know what that word means? It means not getting what you deserve. Because of our sin, we all deserve eternal death. And what the Bible says is that God is merciful. He's great in mercy. He's also just, though, meaning that sin must be dealt with. Notice what he says here. Mercy comes through the resurrection of Jesus. In other words, Jesus' death and resurrection. I, I will say this as simply as I can. Jody's hope didn't lie in her own ability to be faithful to the commands of God. If that were the case, she would have fallen short, just as all of us would. Jody's hope was in the fact that Jesus, he lived a perfect life. He was obedient in every respect. He did not deserve eternal death like all of us do. And then he died and he bore the wrath of God that was due us. He died the death that you and I deserve and was raised again in victory over death. You see, our hope is in Jesus's death for our sins and the victory of his resurrection over the curse of death so that when you and I die, if we have placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that we too have a living hope, a hope of resurrection that will be that we will live forever in the presence of God. 
This was Jody's hope. I want to say one more thing, and that is the guarantee of salvation. I want to explain that a little bit and and say something about the nature of the hope. I called it salvation in my points, and I said it was guaranteed. In the Bible here, it calls it inheritance. When we speak of salvation, this is what we mean, an inheritance. Something that you look forward to. A great hope that is realized. We learn here that this salvation, this inheritance that is waiting for those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ is one, imperishable. Two, undefiled and unfading. And fourth, it is kept in heaven for those who trust in Jesus by God, who guards his own, keeping them for this salvation even now. I met with Jody last week the day before she was leaving, the day she was leaving for Sioux Falls, before her surgery. And of course, if I would have known how things were going to turn out, I would have handled things a little bit differently. In that conversation, though, I asked Jody how she was doing. She said, you know, I'm pretty nervous. And I asked her, Jody, where is your hope? I told you hope has been on my mind a lot. I said, where, where is your hope? And Jody made it clear their hope was in Jesus. She said, you know, Pastor, I'm in his hand and nothing can snatch me out of it. Something that has been a common theme in sermons lately at Bethel Church. She knew that her inheritance Her ultimate salvation, her great hope was being kept in heaven for her by God who had been at work in her life preparing her for that day, Sunday, when she received that great inheritance that was being kept by God for her. You know it would be Sunday and neither did we. I know that there are those here that probably don't have much to do with Christianity or church. Maybe this is the first time that you've been in church for a a long time. When it comes to matters of eternity, when it comes to matters of faith, you haven't given things much thought. Perhaps you've written them off long ago. I don't know where you're at this morning. But I do know that you need to think about these things. Life is but a fleeting breath. And when it is over, then comes the judgment. And you and I will be held accountable for our sins. And either your sins are covered by the perfect obedience and righteousness of Jesus Christ because you've placed your faith and trust in him or you'll be accountable for your own sins. Trust in Jesus today. Believe that when he died on the cross, he died for you, that he took your place. Turn from your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ. Let me just close by saying this.
It was one of the, the greatest privileges in life to, to know Jody, to be her pastor. She, I'm telling you nothing that you don't know. She was a, a wonderful person. But it was a privilege to be her pastor. And as I said at the beginning, the Bible calls me an under-shepherd, meaning that my job on earth here was to point the sheep that God has entrusted to me, to Jesus, the true shepherd. Jody is with her true shepherd. And she doesn't need me anymore. There's great hope in that. Hope that you can have too if you would trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. If you want to talk with somebody about this today, in a week, I'm easy to find. Feel free to find me later. Give me a, a call sometime. I'd be more than happy to, to visit with you about it. Let me pray. Thank you for listening to this sermon resource from BethelMBChurch.org. If you'd like to learn more about Bethel Church or find other resources, please visit our website at BethelMBChurch.org. Bethel Church exists to bring glory to God by promoting the joyful worship of Jesus Christ both here and abroad.